take your copy of God's Word and open up to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at verse 20 together this morning. While you're turning there, I just want to take this opportunity um, with Tim and and with Leanne all to say that uh, it was an honor to be here this weekend um, and to be able to speak to you on on different aspects of the gospel and of your faith, Um, and obviously specifically on living and dying like a Christian. Uh, It was fun also and, and really honoring to talk to some of you individually um, so thank you for coming and asking your questions um, and talking to me individually, and I, I hope that I could have been helpful to you, um, and especially helpful to you, um, as, you con- as you take this concept of living and dying like a Christian and go home with it now. So let's read verse 20 of Galatians chapter 2 together, and we'll pray and, and get to work. Galatians 2.20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Let's pray. Father, would you use this time to glorify yourself? And would you use this time to shape and mold not just our minds, Father, but would you make that connection to our hearts? To, to the way that we walk, to the way that we live. So we might do it in faith and by faith and through faith and that it would be pleasing to you. And that we would know without a shadow of a doubt that in our everyday life, Christ, you love us. As Christians, you love us right now. You love us in our ups and in our downs. You love us in our failures and in our triumphs through your Spirit. And we know and walk in this truth and live by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we look at this text, I just want to remind you uh, and caution you and encourage you to do something. I know, uh, I know that this weekend has been maybe for some of you like a fire hydrant, like drinking from a fire hydrant. Like there's just a lot of information coming your way and and some of it, uh, maybe you caught some of it, uh, meant a lot to you, maybe some of it didn't. Um, I'm hoping and praying that um, if nothing stuck, if nothing hit this weekend, that they would be little seeds planted in your faith that would bear fruit later on, that God would be pleased to use um, what I have talked to you about for your good and for his glory. But I do want to challenge you just for a moment. I know that you've heard a lot of things this weekend. Uh, Like I said, I hope that they're encouraging to you. But I would challenge you to, when you go home today, to pick one of those things, whether it was the most impactful or something maybe you've never heard before or never given much thought to. And I would ask that you would take one thing. You don't have to take the whole gambit. Maybe if you took notes and and you want to kind of work through this over the next year or whatever you might do, but take one thing that you have learned, okay, by the power of the Holy Spirit and then walk in that one thing the best way you can. Pray towards that one goal. Think on that one thing. Think about how it, it can seep into all aspects of your life because the beautiful thing about this book is that it's simple. I know that if you read through some of it, you might be confused of this or that. Don't get why they're doing it. But this book is 
simple, you guys. And the more simple something is, the more it works its way out into your life in all aspects. The more complicated something is, usually it has a, a very specific application. There's one thing that you need to think about, and that's the only thing. But the more simple something is, the more simple the gospel is, the more simple our God is. He is complex, but he is also simple. He is glorious, but he has made himself humble. You take that simple thing and you work it out, okay, in every area of your life. Take one thing. I'll give you a a quick example just from my own self. Um, a couple weekends ago, there was a college retreat here, and I got to teach. The last thing I got to teach on, on a Sunday morning before they left was um, on praying in the Spirit. And when I was preparing that, I realized that, man, I, I have trouble praying in the Spirit, that, that I have trouble being led by the Spirit, not, not just forcing myself to pray, but, but taking opportunities throughout the day when, when the Spirit is prompting me, when something happens, and I, and I think, like, oh, maybe I should pray about that. For, for some reason, I'd always push that off, like, okay, well, I got something else I need to do. But, but taking those moments in for me, that was something I took from my own teaching, that I, I needed to pray more in the Spirit, and that I needed to be led more in the Spirit, that in my daily devotions, and my daily interaction with the Word, that, that I needed to stop and pray those things for my life. And, and that has been one application that, I, that I've been working on for the last two weeks. Being able to spontaneously just stop for a moment, just even 15 seconds or 10 seconds, just thank you, God, for this. Something maybe one of my kids or my wife does, thank you that you have blessed me, whatever it might be. That's one thing that I've been working on in all aspects of my life. It's a simple thing, but it will change the way you view God and it will change the way you view your every day. So I, I challenge you. With what you've heard this weekend, do not let it go to waste. Pick one thing out if you have to and work it into your life. Work it into every aspect. Ask God to help you in that way. Ask someone that you look up to as a Christian mentor back at home or at your, at your church or in your friend group and say, hey, can you help me with this? Can you remind me of this? Maybe can we do this together? Maybe it's memorizing scripture. Maybe it's interacting with scripture more on a daily basis. Like what Tim said, I, I, said, I also said to the college group a few weeks ago that, listen, if you, if you have a busy schedule, I, I believe, I 100% believe, okay, that it is every Christian's responsibility to pray and interact with the Word of God every single day. That doesn't mean that you have to read through the Bible in a year, okay? It doesn't mean that you have to read certain chunks. It might just mean in the morning, real quick, you look at one verse that you're trying to memorize, and okay, I'm going I'm to think about this throughout my day. It might just be little simple things, but if, if, if nothing else, okay, my best encouragement to you is this. Get some good, gospel-centered, Bible-centered songs, even if they have to be old hymns, okay? The one I suggested, suggested um, is a, My- uh, a Mighty Fortress is Our God by Martin Luther. That's one of my favorite hymns, and it's so rich in Scripture. I-, I challenge you, even in that way, interact with the Word of God, even if it's like what Tim said, even if it's through song and, and memorization, whatever it might be, get the Word into you. Let it-, let it seep down deep into your soul and work its way out through your life. So that's my encouragement to you up, up front with that. Um, and if you have not gotten anything, um, to take away from. No, no nugget to work into your life this week. And I, I hope that this morning I would give you just one more thing. It's going to be about the gospel. It's going to be about living by faith. It's going to have some of the same language we've been talking about all weekend. But look, if, you've never, if you haven't thought about it yet, think about it now. 
Look for one thing to take away and work into your life. Don't let this weekend go, uh, go to waste in that way. So we have been looking at living and dying like a Christian. First, we looked at the foundational thing for that is what? That Jesus is your Lord. He's Lord over all things, over all people, but specifically for the Christian, we live in this reality where we seek to live under Jesus' Lordship. He is our Lord, so we follow him even to the point of death. Whatever that might mean, we follow him in our everyday life, even when it has to be radical, even when we have to stand out We follow Christ because no one else is Lord. Then yesterday morning, we talked about his word sustaining us in our greatest struggle. That in our greatest struggle and in every temptation that the devil throws our way, it is this. Is God's word sufficient enough? Do you depend on it over anything else? That's part of living under Jesus' lordship. Last night, we talked about to live as Christ and to die is gain, that glorious truth that right now in your everyday life, you can live to seek and glorify God in the simplest means possible. And that death has more. That death is more than just you losing some things. In fact, you lose nothing. You gain everything because you gain the presence of Christ real in front of you. And this morning we're going to be talking about and finishing up by talking about living by faith. Now, what is faith? What does it mean that, that we live by faith? What, what is faith? Uh, the Bible is super helpful. They give a, it gives a great definition in Hebrews chapter 1, or excuse me, Hebrews 11 verse 1. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Let me boil that down for you. What that means is that faith is putting what you believe into action. When When we have family worship at our house and we talk about faith, we like to use this definition of faith is actively trusting or actively believing or actively trusting what you believe in rather. And you may have heard this analogy before, but, but you right now are, or when you came in here, actually, take it back. After you sang your last song, you were exercising faith when you sat down in your chair. Why? Because you knew up here, hopefully at least, that that chair would be there and support you when you sat down in it. It wasn't just head knowledge, right? You weren't just like, the chair is going to support me, but I'm not sitting down in it. That, that's not faith. That's just head knowledge. But you actively trusted the chair and sat down in it. That is what faith is. It's actively trusting what you believe in. One of my favorite examples of this is Abraham. Okay? When God came to Abraham in his old, old age. This is Abraham like old and gray. God had been promising him a son for many, many years. A, a son that would make the nations come, that he would bless the nations through. And he'd been waiting, waiting for the son. And finally, God gave him this son. And then one day, God came to Abraham. And he told Abraham, I want you to take your son. And I want you to go on this mountain. And I want you to sacrifice him as an offering. And Abraham, it says, believed him. 
but it is one thing to say, I believe God, I trust God in this, and it is another thing for Abraham to get up early in the morning, not just sleep in and try to put it off as, as soon as, or as late as possible, but it says in the text that Abraham got up early the next morning, prepared all of the things, gathered some servants and his son, and he didn't just mosey around. He walked straight to that mountain. He told his servants to wait at the bottom of the mountain, and he took his son and all the offering things up to the top, and he laid his son down, and he tied him down, and he raised a blade to his son, actively trusting God. And Hebrews tells us that in that moment, what what Abraham was doing was believing, believing that God could raise his son from the dead even if he died. He was actively trusting God. It is one thing to say that you believe in Jesus Christ or believe the gospel. It is another thing entirely for you to walk and live by faith in that gospel. It means some hard choices sometimes. And sometimes it means some really enjoyable ones. Sometimes it means God will lead you to the thing you want to do more than anything else. And it matches up with his desires. And sometimes God will lead you exactly where he wants you to. And you have to actively trust him in that journey to the top of the mountain. Remember what Spurgeon said, I think, on the first night, right? If you cannot trace God's hand... You must trust his heart. That's faith. Faith is what the Christian holds on to in everyday life. This isn't just some thing that's out there. This is something you hold on to for dear life. This is all you got. It is living by faith. Faith is the only way that a Christian can live. It's the only way that a Christian can go through life. If you are not living by faith, you are living in the flesh. You are trying to do this Christian walk on your own. And so many Christians try that. And so many Christians end up getting burnt out by that. They're trying to do this thing on their own, in their own power, instead of relying on and walking in faith in the things that God has promised. You cannot please God without faith. By faith. We believe all the things that the Bible has to say. Just for a moment, okay? Keep your finger or your tab or whatever in in Galatians 2. We'll come back to that. But flip over to Hebrews chapter 11 for a moment. Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to do some more reading if you guys didn't get sick of that last night. Uh, More Bible this morning. But I just want you to see this, okay? That faith is not a New Testament thing, okay? Faith is not something that all of a sudden started when Jesus came and said, Peter, you, you're my church, I'm gonna, you're the rock, I'm going to build my church on you. And then he went back up to heaven and all the apostles spread the gospel. And there's this new thing called faith and you must live by it. No, guys, this is what Christians, and, and that might be confusing, but this is what followers of God have been doing since the beginning. Adam and Eve did not walk by faith when they fell. But Abel did. And you're going to see that here. So let me, let me read Hebrews 11. Uh, actually, it, go up a little bit to verse 37 of chapter 10. It says, For yet in a very little while he who is coming will come. This is Jesus. And he will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink 
back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the persevering of our soul. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. For by it, men of old gained approval. By faith, we understand that the world's This is the universe, okay? The worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen is not made out of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. Why did God accept Abel's sacrifice over Cain's? It wasn't because Abel brought uh, a meat, okay? It wasn't because he brought flesh and, and, and Cain only brought the crops that he had. It was because Abel did it by Faith. He trusted that this would be a pleasing sacrifice to God, where Cain did not do that. Verse 4 there, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. And God testified about his gifts, and through faith, though he was dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up. So that he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him. For he obtained the witness that before him being taken up was pleasing, that he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he and that uh, must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Now I'll spare you, okay? You want to go to, 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 or to Hebrews 11 and read the, read the rest? See how every person, every, every quote-unquote hero of the Old Testament did not do it because they were awesome. They didn't do it because they had some special thing that you did not have. Every follower of God has been in the exact same position. Will you trust him and walk by what he has promised and who he is and in his character, or will you deny him? Will you compromise? Will you walk in the flesh rather than walking by faith? You can see it all the way through. And at the very end, it's one of my favorite parts. He, he goes, actually, if you go down to, let's see, verse 32. I'm just read it for you, okay? He gets to the end. He talks about Rahab. And then he says, what more shall I say? For time will fail me to tell you of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Japheth and David and Samuel and, all, and the prophets who by faith, now listen to this, conquered kingdoms, Perform acts of righteousness, obtain promises, shut the mouths of lions, quench the power of fire, escape from the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured. You, do you see that huge shift there? You, you look at this, and it's all these triumphs of the faith, and then you get to this end, and I tell you this, it is not anything less than still triumphs in the faith. Listen to this. By faith, others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings. Yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned and they were sawn in two. They were tempted and they were put to death with the sword and they went about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes and in the ground. All these having gained approval, not by their works. Gained approval by what? Gained approval by their faith. They did not receive what was promised, but God 
had provided something better for us so that apart from us they would be they would not be made perfect verse chapter 12 therefore since we have so great a cloud of witnesses talking about all these people that have gone before us let us also lay aside every incumbent and the sin which easily entangles us and let us run the race with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, endured the, he endured the cross, and despising the same shame, he sat down at the right hand at the throne of God. For consider him who had endured such hostility by sinners himself, so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. Guys, believing that, and living your life under that will change the way you walk. Any time that I feel less than, I, I go to that chapter. Any time that things aren't going right in my life, man, I go to that chapter and I read, this is awesome, this is awesome, man, that was tough for Abraham, that was tough for David, that was tough all through, man, that was, that was awesome. And then I read tortured and, and sawn in two and I, and I think, what, what did they have? And that all it was was faith. What made Daniel stand up to an entire nation that he was in captivity to as a teenager? It was faith. Faith does not have an age limit on it. You can walk boldly, not in your own flesh, not by how great you've done things in the past, but rather by faith in Christ and what he's promised. So how do we live by faith? Go back to Galatians 2.20. How do we live by faith? Living by faith first means that you must die by faith. Living by faith first means that you must die by faith. Look what Paul says. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live. Christians, friends, brothers and sisters, This means that somewhere in your past, there's the old you hanging on an old rugged cross. We like to talk about being saved, right? Like, I'm a Christian, Jesus saved me here and there. But, but let me put this before you. A better way to understand and explain to people your salvation is not just that you have been saved, but rather this, that you died with Christ, that the old you is somewhere in your past hanging on the cross. And that old you may taunt you, right? It may draw you back into sin. You may walk back in the flesh to that old cross and say, man, I was so happy in that sin. That sin made me so, I, I loved it. It made me feel good, whether it was pride or something else, whatever it might have been. But that old self is on the cross. To say you are a Christian is to say this. I have been crucified with Christ. Your old sinful self is gone. In the kingdom of God, if you hold on to your life, friends, you will lose your life. But if you let go, you'll find it. If you die to yourself, if you deny yourself and be crucified with Christ today, there are some of you who have not crucified yourself with Christ. You have not died to yourself. 
You must, to walk by faith, you must die to the old self. You must die to the old ways. You must put those things behind you. And every time they try to creep up, you put them to death again. You put them off. If you hold on to what you have in this life, you will lose your life for the sake of everything else. All these other cares of the world will come in and choke out your faith instead of you continually pushing back the weeds. Friends, don't let those things creep up into your life. Don't let the cares of the world draw you away from Christ. You've been crucified with him. It's no longer you that lives. You are dead to your sin and your relationship with with sin has changed. So in one sense, walking by faith means that you're dead. But in another sense, Paul goes on. It's not just a dead life that you now have in your past. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ now lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. I live by faith in the Son of God. This means your life right now is no longer your own. That's why we live under the lordship of Jesus Christ is because right now you are, as a Christian, filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul says this in many places. He says it in Romans. He says it in Corinthians. He might say it in every epistle. I don't know. I'm pretty sure he says it in almost every letter that he writes. Christ lives in me. No other religion in the world has that doctrine. No other religion in the world says You becoming a part of this religion or whatever it might be means that God now lives inside of you. It's always you trying to get to God. That's not how Christianity works. Christianity is the only religion in the world where the holy God lives in corruptible, sinful flesh and the Holy Spirit inside of you. Guys, maybe you've read this book or heard this book by John Piper called Don't Waste Your Life. It's an incredible book. Um... If you, don't, if you haven't read it, you should read it or at least look up some YouTube videos of him preaching on parts of it or whatever it might be. Um, but he, John Piper had an interview recent, or about a year ago where uh, someone wrote in and he, and he talked about this verse because he, he talks about it in Don't Waste Your Life. And he said, would you consider renaming your book instead of Don't Waste Your Life, Don't Waste His Life? And John Piper kind of laughed and he said, you know, I never made that connection before. Because what the writer was talking about was this. He said, He said, we don't live this life. It's not our life. This is Christ's life. He lives inside of us. So living under his lordship is living in that reality that this isn't our life anymore. It's not about what I hope and dream. It's not about my desires. It's not about that old person that's on the cross. Rather, it is about the life that I live now in the flesh while Christ lives inside of me. I live to honor him. I live to please him. In Ephesians, it says that you can grieve the Holy Spirit of God inside of you. Living a life by faith, walking by faith, is a life that is pleasing to God because you are trying to do the best you can with what you have and the grace that God has given you. Let me give you a a quick example of this before we move on to the next part here. Kevin DeYoung used this example once. Uh, he's a good, good Bible teacher and preacher. Um, he said that when he asked his children to clean out the van, uh, 
They go out there and they'll spend some time out there. And there's usually some playing that he has to, you know, break up between his children and the van. But he'll ask them to clean out their van or room, whatever it might be. And when he goes to inspect it after they're done, uh, he goes out to inspect it. And there's, you know, there's a crayon that they missed here or something that they, they didn't do there. And what he related that to was this. He says, you walking by faith doesn't mean that you do it perfect. It doesn't mean that there's not still a mess over here or some things you didn't see over there. But rather, when a father goes and sees the best that their children can do, he rewards them, he loves them, and he accepts their somewhat of a failure because they did the best they could with what they had. Friends, walking by faith, walking as if Christ lives inside you, doesn't mean that you're perfect, but rather it means that God loves you unconditionally and he knows what you can do. He knows what you have, the experiences, the thoughts, the doctrines, and he holds you to no higher standard. Sometimes you're going to be talking with a friend, like I I think I mentioned it in the Q&A session, the second one yesterday. Sometimes you're going to be talking with a friend and man, a couple years later, or months later, or maybe even later that night, you're, you're going to think, gosh, I wish I could have said that. Why didn't I think about that right there? And then you might feel guilty, you might beat yourself up, whatever it might be. You don't need to do that. If God didn't give you the words to say in that moment, don't worry about it. The next time you see that friend, go ahead and talk to him about it. But, but you don't need to hold yourself guilty for that stuff. Living by faith is not perfection. It's living under this next part right here. Look what Paul says, okay? He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Listen to this, guys. I live by faith in the Son of God. Why two fundamental reasons? Who loves me and gave himself up for me? That is, that is the gospel in a nutshell. Guys, that is your faith in a nutshell. That the God who sits on a throne over the entire universe, he doesn't just love a group of people that call themselves Christians. He loves you. He knows you. On that cross, it was not just some corporate collective dying for their sins. Friends, he died for your sins. Why? So that he could hold you, uh, hold you accountable and bring you into some faith you don't want to be a part of? No. He did it because he loves you. The God of the universe loves you. That song that we sang where, where it says that your name is graven on his hand, that is from the Old Testament and that is real. God has your names written on his hands. When he died on the cross, when you read that in, in Hebrews chapter 11 into, ver, into chapter 12, he died for you. For the joy that was set before him. He suffered all things for your sake. Not because of anything else, but that he sovereignly decreed, I love, insert your name. Christian, that is a simple doctrine that can change your life and work its way into every aspect of your life. When you're walking around today or when you're going home or driving home, I I would beg you to meditate on that. 
God loves you. And he gave himself up for you. Individually. He loves you. So I ask you this morning. Are you living by that kind of faith? And, and don't walk out of here feeling guilty. Like if you're a Christian and you're like, man, I've never thought about that before. I've wasted. So no, you haven't wasted any time. This is the appointed time right now. Go forward from here and walk by faith. Don't waste time looking back in your past at all the ways you could have used it or whatever it might have been. Walk now in God's love that he died for you and let that penetrate every aspect of your life. Work it into every part. When you don't know what to pray, God, thank you that you love me. You died for me. And if that's all you can do, amen and get out. Go do the things that he has for you to learn and experience and enjoy that day so that you might be more and more conformed to the image of his son rather than that old self that's hanging on the cross. Are you living and walking by that type of faith? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time in your word. Thank you that this weekend we were able to look at so great, so great a topic, so great a doctrine as what we are supposed to be doing with our life right now. How it applies to school, to family, to siblings, to friends. How it will apply not just after we graduate, not just in college or when we go into the workforce or later on in life, not just when we're married, not just when we have kids. This is not just something, Father, that we do when we are old and we think that we have it all together and now I can get serious about my faith. This is something that all saints throughout all time have believed that you are good, that you love us, that you have made promises that you have kept and will continue to keep. Let us have that earth-shattering ground-breaking faith. And let us live in boldness and in confidence, not as those who shrink back, but those who go forward, those who repent, knowing that you are just to forgive and that you love us and gave yourself up for us. And it's in his precious name that we pray. Amen.